Welcome, fellow Illumineers, to Once Upon a Lorcana. I'm Noah, and with me is my brother Benji, and together we are your guides through the incredible tales and adventures that await us in the world of Lorcana. Get ready for Lorcana lore as we dive into episode four. See what I did there? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Where every shuffle is a new adventure. How's it going, Noah? I'm great. I've really been enjoying this uh, uh, this set, too, that has recently come out. There's some fun stuff, for sure. It's exciting. We're, we're excited to talk with you guys about it. So let's just dive right into our update. So, Chapter 2, The Floodborne cards are out in the wild. It's been crazy. Noah, have you been able to get any? I have. It's been complicated. Um, you know, we've got the ones that we're going to get for that league event that we signed up for. We'll talk about that in a bit. But besides that, I managed to grab um, the Disney 100 bundle from a local game store. I had to be first in line. I showed up, you know, a couple hours before they even opened. But um, I'm glad I did because people started to show up quite rapidly after that. Um, yeah, I wasn't able to get the starter decks at that time because they were limiting product, which I understand. Uh, but I was lucky enough to the next day, I believe it must have been yesterday, um, to go by another game store and they still had some in stock. So I grabbed nice. both copies. Nice. How did the uh, first store you were at, how did they limit their sales? What did they do? Right. So you could get one of any particular product. And if you wanted to get the starter decks, you could, in fact, get both. Um, okay. Uh, there was also so an option either... to get. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say it's either both starter decks or the Trove or the D100. Right. Or maybe a booster box or something. Yes. Now, I think this particular store, their booster box sales, they did with pre-orders online. And so nobody in-store was getting the box itself. I but see. you could just get four packs. And some people preferred to kind of mix and match and get one starter deck and two packs. You know, oh, as yeah. if it's like yeah. half of that, half of this. So um, it was nice. I would have preferred to grab those starter decks at the same time. But, you know, I was able to pick them up for MSRP the next day anyway. And so I'm I'm just super happy about that. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you got that D100, you know, collector's um box that's that's awesome right um, yeah that thing's been kind of hard to get i know they've had a ton like at downtown disney and, and things like that but even then still not the easiest thing to get so that's super cool for sure so for me i uh i wasn't able to really get any pre-orders in other than for this league at a local game store so no pre-orders, uh, which was a little frustrating, like, oh, come on. I, I kept asking on, you know, a couple different discords. Hey, are there any pre-orders available? And occasionally I would hear about one, but it was just far enough that I didn't want to drive and, right. and pay the, you know, the full amount right then. And I had some other things to take care of here at home. So I wasn't it's able to. True. And there's also no telling as well if, you know, you might call the game store and they say, oh, yeah, we've got a couple in stock. It's like by the time you get there, they might already be gone. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's always a, a gamble, but with this with this league event, um, we were able to to you know go on to Discord and and sign up for this league event. And they were doing they had a couple cool things going on. You'd fill out this Google form, and basically you would say if you're interested in a sealed league event, um, open league, and then if you just wanted 
starter decks or if you wanted a booster box or whatever, they had kind of four tiers with priority going to those that wanted to do the sealed league event. And so both you and I indicated, yeah, we would do that. And so uh, it was on, I think, Wednesday night when they had to do a raffle to draw names because so many people were interested and they didn't have enough product. And you and I both got selected to be there and to to participate in this league event, which was super exciting. Yeah, that was wild. I was so hyped. Yeah. So the way it works is they would give you a... I showed up, they gave me a starter deck and two booster packs. And Noah wasn't able to come because he had a friend's uh, wedding that he right. he was going to, which is, you know, of course the priority. Um, but yeah, I showed up, paid, I think it was uh, about $35. It was $30 to get the starter deck and two boosters. And then it was a $5 entrance fee to play. And so I paid 35 I got my starter deck. They didn't let us choose. They just gave one to you. And if you wanted to trade, you could see someone else who wanted to trade. So I started out with the uh, Amber Sapphire deck, and I was hoping to get the other one, actually, the Amethyst Steel, um, just because I'm really interested in, in Steel for this for this set. And so luckily there was one guy who was like, oh, do you want to trade? I was like, sure do. And so it was nice. a win-win. But it was really fun. There were about, I mean, there were a ton of people there. They had... They had, they had drawn 60 names to take part in this event at this game store. So it was pretty massive. I actually hadn't been there before. It was my first time in this uh, game store. And they had this giant room in the back where there were just tons of tables. There were some people playing magic, some people doing flesh and blood. And then there were probably, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like 10 or so tables that were really long um, for disney lorcana and it was so cool so what you do is you can open up your starter deck your booster pack and then the other two boosters and you can create your deck out of any of those cards doesn't matter what ink you get what color you just make your deck and uh, they said usually it's good to keep around 60 cards but they didn't even have a hard limit on 60 you could do a little more if you wanted so it was really fun so i had the uh the steel amethyst deck and i was really lucky i got two cards that i was really really hoping for one of them is the uh the cinderella card knight in, in shining armor or whatever she is she's a seven right, cost yeah. card uh but it's a shift five and she has resist two which is super powerful so i got her and then i also got the uh the emerald beast card which was super awesome i love the beast he's probably my favorite disney character i just love that guy maybe it's because i'm the beast as well we're just you know (laughs) just have so much in common there there you go we have our beauties and we're the beasts anyways um so i got those and i was super happy so it was um best out of three you know you had to do two out of three and i i started off with this guy he had the other deck and it was it was pretty great but i just so happened to draw um my i think it's a two cost cinderella and my bigger Cinderella and I shifted on turn five and she was like a brick wall. There was nothing he could do. And I would just obliterate his team and uh, just quest. And I was able to take the first game really, really quickly. Um, Second game was kind of similar. I just got these awesome cards and I really started to enjoy that bounce mechanic. And we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, with our, our main topic, but I hadn't played with any of these decks on Pixelborn or anything like that. Um, Cause I have a Mac and the Mac 
Pixelborn update wasn't quite out yet. And I was like, oh, I got to, you I know, see. I got to figure this out. So I was just kind of looking into the cards, trying to think of how I would use these, you know, reading things on Twitter and X. Um, but I think I, I did pretty well. So the first round I beat, um, beat him two times in a row. And, and uh, so I won that round. And then the next round I went up against someone and uh, they were a little bit newer to Lorcana. They had only played a couple times. So I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll help him out. So throughout, I was kind of helping him and explaining some of the the key terms and the, like, what does war do? What does resist do? What's um, uh, evasive? You know, things like that. I was helping yeah. him out. And uh, I took the first game pretty quick. And then the second game, I just drew such a bad hand. It was so sad. Oh, I had man. like... I had like all ones and twos in my hand and I put back, uh, I think I put back four cards, right. or three cards, and I drew like almost the same exact ones. <laughs> and so I didn't have any of my good, like higher cost cards um, yeah. until later in the game. And it got to a point where he had a lot of the dwarves on the board and I was like, man, this is mm. tough. And I eventually got my, my Emerald Beast out and I was at 10 lore and he was at 19 lore. I also had drawn the little, uh, I think he's a two-cost Pinocchio. He gets three lore. Yeah. So he's out there. My beast is out there. And I had a Merlin out there. And uh, he had just played two cards. And then he had three that were exerted that had quested. And I was like, man, how am I going to do this? I'm at 10 lore. He's at 19. And so this was the last turn. This was it. And so I was able to to do some good work basically i i quested with pinocchio for three got me up to 13 um i did i think i quested with the beast so that's 15 and then i did damage with merlin so then i could ready the beast again got me up to 17 and then i what did i do Maybe I had an item or something. I, I can't remember. But I remember getting to 19 and then not being able to do much more. And, and he took he took Goodness. that round. So it was one to one. And then we actually didn't have time for a third round. So that one was just a draw. Mm. And then, you know, my kids were sick back at home and my wife needed some help. So I, I would have loved to stay and kind of ride it out. I felt like I had a decent chance of doing really well for gotcha. the day. Um, but I had to head home and uh, it was just a good reminder of, you know, these games are fun and it's really, it, it's been a blast to get the new products and these new cards and figure them out. But what's most important is just being there for family and, and helping out when you can. So it was just mm. a good reminder of true you know, things are fun, but there's other things like family that are just more important and it was important for me to be there. So got home and helped with the kids and uh but it was it was an awesome experience it was really fun to do the sealed deck i had never done that before all my other experience was at normal league nights where everybody brings their cards and in general i feel like the people around me dish out a lot of money to get the meta decks yeah and so i you know it's it's tricky i win maybe 45 percent of the time because <laughs> i i just don't have the money to to get that those those really nice cards that make a huge difference so it, it was fun to have everyone on the same playing field, you know? It was just chance with your three booster packs. You mix it into your deck how best you think will work, and, and you play. And it was so fun that everyone was on the same playing field. We had probably over 50 people there, and it was just this awesome environment. There were some parents with kids there that were trying it out. And uh, 
it was just great. You know, when I got home, my son was like, Hey, can you take me next time? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take you next time if I can. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little bit of my experience with the, the league event. And with this league, it's actually cool. It's going to go for four weeks. Yeah. So Noah and I both got in and next Saturday, we're going to go and get two more booster packs and we can mix those into our deck to upgrade our deck a little bit more. And you play four rounds and uh, the following week, same thing, two more booster packs next week, two more. And it'll end. uh, I think they're taking a week off for some other event they have, but it'll end on the 16th of December. I'll be out of town for a little bit, so I won't be at the last one or two possibly, but super fun. Really, really awesome. And and a, another cool thing is uh, when I went to the game store, I met one of my buddies that I grew up with that was working there. I was like, no way. How's it going, man? <laughs> nice. So that was pretty cool. But it was awesome. It was awesome. Any any questions about that, Noah? Yeah, you know, um, that's interesting. I didn't realize that when you open the packs, it doesn't actually matter the color of the cards that you put in. And yeah. That's probably a good way to do it because then it gives you more options without having you buy, you know, six times as much or three times as much or whatever it is right right and let's say you open up packs and you have a ton of emerald and ruby what are you going to do because the starter decks don't even have those colors right this time around so they just be kind of waste wasted mm-hmm. so it's nice with the sealed event yeah mix them in do it however you can and uh, it's it's everything you open up is fair game which i really liked yeah and you know it's funny speaking of you know family and and friends uh, when I was at this game store waiting first in line, uh, one of my buddies walked in the door and he's actually one of the members of my Dungeons and Dragons group that I meet with weekly. So I was like, oh, oh nice. no way. So it was great <laughs> to see him again. And he he came with his parents as well. Um, oh, that's awesome. It, you know, it's kind of cool. I think part of the reason why um, Disney as a, as a franchise is able to attract so much attention is because especially, at, you know, at its core values, you know, Walt Disney meant for it to be something that was enjoyed by friends and family. So um, it's really great to be able to see that value system shine through. Yep. Amen. I agree with that. That's awesome. Well, we'll have a little break here and we'll head into our news section. Right here we are with the news. Uh, well, yeah. Noah, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So this is this is interesting. What you've uh, showed to me today. Um, apparently, you are now going to be able to pre-order some cards straight from Ravensburger, um, and this is really big because product has been super hard to get. Uh, pre-orders are going to open up uh, tomorrow morning from the moment that we're recording this, and so that'll uh, be that's, Monday morning. That's going to be Monday. Yep. And uh, it'll be great. Looks like there's some stuff from the first chapter in addition to this second chapter stuff. And not just starter decks, but, you know, different bundles and sleeves and play mats. Uh, And it's all for MSRP. So assuming that the shipping is not super crazy, um, this seems like it's going to do a lot of good as far as solving the problem of, uh, you know, having enough inventory. Yeah, the, the tricky thing is how much inventory will they have? I think they did this for the first chapter as well. I see. Um, but they only do as many pre-orders as they have inventory, right? Mm. So they'll they'll have a queue that starts at I think it was nine thirty Eastern, no nine o'clock Eastern time. So I don't know if I'll, we'll have this podcast up by then, but if so, 
check it out. Try to get some some product. Yeah, maybe um, you're the first one listening, and you just want to pause and and run over there real quick and reserve some. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, it's you know it's a good way to get some some MSRP Lorcana cards, which is a rarer thing than it should be. It's it's right. such a joke. I think how many stores are you know just marking their prices up just because they can and it still sells. It's it's really frustrating (laughs) and a lot of them say you know we're doing this to prevent scalpers it's like oh okay so you're scalping us so that other people don't scalp us exactly like where's the (laughs) i don't know that's just frustrating and one of my big things i just i really struggle to pay over the the msrp it's just so hard for me even if it's like twenty dollars over it's hard for me i i just Ugh, it just goes against my my whole being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd rather suffer and not get cards. Probably just because I'm super stingy with money. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I, I just, I, I, can't. I can't. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst quality to have. Part of it is that, you know, there's, you might be willing to spend a couple extra dollars in order to get a particular product. But it's also just the, uh, you know, the, the morals behind the thing. It's like, you know, that somebody else is marking this up when they didn't have to. <laughs> right. Right. So exactly. I, I totally see where you're coming from. Well, that's a little bit of our news. Um, so we have uh, the pre-orders coming out tomorrow morning. We have the first chapter or the second chapter cards that are out in the wild. It's been fun. Um, an- another part of news, I guess I should say is I don't know if it's just that the people that I follow on Twitter are really lucky or if it's true, but I seem to be seeing a lot more enchanted cards than I did for the first first set. Oh, interesting. If that's a real thing, I kind of think it's not. Maybe just more people are getting into it and so you see more people opening and you see more, you know, more of the hits whereas the first one, you know, it took a while for people to be like, "Oh, this is cool" and they, you know, slowly got into it. Right. So maybe maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Could be. But, you know, there might be something to it because I have heard from multiple people now that they've, you know, they opened up just like one or two packs and pulled and enchanted. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, that's not normally the case. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. So best of luck to all of you getting product out there. May you get some enchanteds. Our, our luck and uh, hopes are high for you. <laughs> indeed all right well let's head on to our main topic noah what did we want to talk about today yeah so i'm really excited about today's topic i think there's some really neat stuff to get into uh we want to talk a bit about this new floodboard set but specifically about the two starter decks so there is the uh steel amethyst that's the one where the face cards are the merlin shape shapeshifter as well as tiana uh, and then you've also got the amber sapphire and uh that one has let's see it's got the queen and seven dwarfs as part of the kind of yellow amber package and then you've also got the blue side which um has that gaston you know intellectual thinker um as the face card and uh i've tried both of these decks now uh, a little bit more so with the amber sapphire but they are really fun they are a blast nice what are, what are your first uh, impressions with them compared to the uh, chapter one starter decks? Do you think they're just as powerful or or what are your thoughts there? 
Yeah, you know, um, from what I understand and from what I've also been been picking up on, it seems like the starter decks uh, have a little bit of a rock, paper, scissors dynamic going on where one of them is slightly better against a different one and that one's better against the other one. And, and so you've got that triangle, rock, paper, scissors. Whereas this one, with there only being two decks, uh, it really feels like so much effort and attention was put into making sure that they are compatible against each other. And um, a lot of that is seen in the way that, you know, the steel resist cards uh, line up numerically with the the stats of the other deck. Or perhaps um, there's a there's a card in the steel deck that allows you to get rid of an item. And it feels like that's just perfectly placed because the blue side of the uh, the Amber Amethyst deck has quite a bit of item synergy as well. And so the way that right. they line up together and feel competitive, uh, it's it's really phenomenal. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, so Noah has a little more experience with the uh, Amber Sapphire. As, or, yeah, Amber Sapphire, as yep. you said. I have, I have a touch more experience just because of my league event with the Amethyst Steel. And so we're just going to go into those a little bit, maybe talk about a couple of the strengths and weaknesses of, of each deck and what we might change a little bit. Um, so Noah, did you want to start? I would love to. Um, so I suppose the most obvious thing with this Amber Sapphire deck is going to be the dwarf synergies. Uh, there's yes. a lot of dwarves in here, and many of them benefit off of each other. And so if you're thinking about upgrades or a way to make this deck just super synergistic, you might consider just packing even more dwarves in here. Um, and, you know, the dwarves in and of themselves are pretty good cards, even without each other, especially the ones like uh, Happy. He has this support feature or perhaps Doc. He's got this feature that makes um, future characters less less expensive to play and so yeah, those are nice. good on their own they don't even need the other the other well, is it future dwarves. dwarf characters or is it just any character it's any isn't it's it? any right yeah so that's, nice. that's really interesting but um if you do want some straightforward upgrades i would suggest that just throw in much more of these um dwarves and then if you can get your hands on that new snow white card um it makes your dwarves one cheaper to play and it's a little bit interesting that they didn't throw it into this deck originally. You know, it might be because it was too powerful or maybe because they intentionally wanted you to go out and find it. But it works yeah. really well. So as far as an upgrade standpoint, that's good, too. A couple other notable things would be uh, the queen card that you can play on turn one. It's your very standard, you know, two two one lore inkable. But it's notable because you can, in fact, shift it to the face card queen commanding presence. Right. You know, when, when you're talking about that Snow White card, it's funny because when I opened my boosters for the sealed event, I ended up pulling three of these, or no, two of the Snow Whites. It's Snow White Unexpected House Guest. Oh, yeah. And I was like, man, if I would have had the other deck, these would have been perfect. <laughs> right. But I was still pretty happy with, with what I got for my Steel and Amethyst. But yeah, definitely throw in some of those Snow Whites if you can. It's it's a uncommon card, so it's not a rare or super rare. It's, it's going to be easy to find or at least buy singles of and that's for sure an easy way to upgrade upgrade the deck for sure absolutely and then looking over at the blue side of this deck uh you start to notice a lot more support for the item synergies going on here um and it looks like some of these cards are returning cards from set one you have bell the engineer who makes your uh your items cheaper uh, but you also have some of these new cards like judy hops 
when you play Judy Hops, then you can banish a chosen item and uh, the player who controlled that item gets to draw a card. And that's really nice because you can use it on some of your own cheap items like Popsicle to get some extra card advantage. Maybe you use it on the Gumbo Pot or some other cards that you throw into the deck. Um, but also if you're in a tight spot and you really need to get rid of something that your opponent has, you know, that's an option as well. Um, yeah. and I'm really feeling like, uh, this, this starter deck and the way that they're trying to support the items more is going to be really helpful for that particular archetype because, um, you know, maybe, uh, you'll have to tell me what you think about this too, Benji, but it feels like in set one items were not strong enough to be their own strategy. But it feels like with set two, it's getting a little bit closer to that. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. You know, you had cards like the uh, Tamatoa card and the uh, Maurice card that that could really benefit from items, but there just weren't enough items that were really good enough to put in your decks for consistent play. Right. And I think we're getting there with this next chapter. I don't think we're all the way there yet. But I think it's it's definitely better than it was. Um, mm -hmm. One one of the uh, I don't know if it's an item or if it's a, I think it's an action. Oh yes, that launch action, the oh, new yeah. one in that deck. It that feels one great. is it was surprisingly good. I remember in my sealed event again, I played my my Winnie the Pooh Honey Wizard that I pulled in one of my boosters. He's a five cost, uh, five strength, five willpower. And uh, someone just banished their their popsicle thing and mm -hmm. just did five damage to my poor little Pooh Bear. <laughs> no bother. And, and he just like <laughs> just destroyed him with this three cost um, action. And uh, people also the Fang crossbow I think was really interesting. Um, my my first couple games it wasn't that useful when my opponent played it, but in my second game a second round. The opponent played it and it was like i didn't want to quest because he would play that and instead of his character you know trading for mine it wouldn't do any damage and i was like oh, right so it kind of it kind of made a stalemate until we had more cards up on the playing field um just because of that i was like oh i don't want him to use that so i was waiting for him to make the first turn so that i could attack um and and i've heard you know that's that's an interesting just issue right now with Lorcana is that you you always try to punish you know the the other player right so if they're exerted you want to be able to tr make the better trade so that you have more yeah. board presence or whatever and so a lot of times it makes it so that people aren't willing to quest or to challenge until they've built up their board a lot and it kind of prolongs the game which is a little bit frustrating sometimes um I saw that happen in my second round because we only had, I think we had 50 minutes to do three rounds, three, three games, best of three. I see. And, uh, it took us 50 minutes and we barely even finished two games because of this issue. Like none of us wanted to be the first one to go because the other one would punish and benefit off of it. Yeah. So it made this, this kind of stalemate issue, but I think cards like, um, that crossbow or like that launch action those are really mm -hmm. helpful because they can target people that aren't exerted or if you have cards like namari that can challenge people that aren't exerted or you know things like that i think they're trying to figure out ways to help propel the game forward even if people aren't questing or challenging so that the games are faster 
more, I don't know, more intriguing and, and just move along quicker, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, very healthy for the game. Uh, I remember in, in Magic the Gathering a few sets ago, I think it, it was um, Kaldheim, a set based on like Norse mythology and um, Vikings and such. But there was a mechanic that they used in Magic that was much similar. Um, it was an ability that you could activate on your cards called Boast, but you'd only be able to activate it after the card had already attacked. And so it oh, seems yeah. like this is a, a a pretty reoccurring thing in card games that, you know, you generally don't want to be the person to swing first or overextend because you'll get punished. And so right. I think it is good to to see these um, companies doing what they can to fix that. Yep. Yep. Well, anything you wanted to add about the starter deck? Um, let's see. Popsicle, I think, has been surprisingly good just because yeah. it's versatile and it can it can cycle itself out. Well, and the cost is super cheap, isn't it? A one cost right. item. Yeah, one cost inkable. And when you play it, you draw another card. So, so you're never gonna get it itself. in the, Yeah, you're never gonna get it in the late game and be like, oh shoot, I needed something else. Yeah, because you can always just play it to draw a card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, surprisingly good. Super nice. And I think that's why um, maybe you talked about this a little bit, is the Nick Wild from Zootopia. He'd be an excellent addition to this deck oh, because yeah. he can bring back the Popsicle from the discard. So he can recycle those and you can really get some good use out of them. Yeah, he seems like another character that could have very easily been included in the deck, but you wonder why they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but again, maybe it's it was too strong, right? Could be. Very cool. So with this other deck, I've have a little bit of experience with it and I have a, a feel for what might be good and why, what might not be and what might be fun. But what are your thoughts on it, Benji? I I actually really started to enjoy the bounce mechanic. Um so there's kind of two things this deck has going for it. There's the bounce mechanic, and when when we say bounce um, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with that, it means when you play a card, it, it it makes you return one of your other cards in play back to your hand. So like bounces it back to your hand, right? And um, there are certain cards that are synergistic with that. You know, you'll have um, Merlin that gets an extra lore every time a character is returned to your hand. Um, and so it's it's kind of, it's pretty fun to play with. You can also have other characters that do really good things when you play them. And if you want that multiple times, you'll want to bounce them back to your hand so you can play them again and again. Right. So there's a couple of those, um, that are just, just kind of nice, whether it's the, uh, um, any card that, that can heal when you play it. I think there's a snow white. I don't think that's in this deck. Um, I should probably talk about what's in this deck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Yeah. There's like a, a Merlin crab, that I think when you play him, he gives one of your other characters plus three. He has that challenger ability. Oh, yeah. Gives that plus three attack. Quite strong. So you can use that, get one of your weaker characters to do massive damage, and then play a card that bounces the crab back to your hand so you can do it again the next turn, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun to to play with that. I was I was starting to enjoy that a lot. But the one thing that I liked even more was my steel cards with the resist mechanic. I think resist is going to be huge this yeah. this season, you know, with this new set. I didn't realize how powerful it was, but when I played that that uh big Cinderella, she was just almost invincible. Like it took many characters 
doing damage to her to get her off the board. And uh, it was just so nice to have. There's another card in here, Kronk. Um, he also has resist one. You have your prince who has resist one. Um, it's 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 pretty fun to play with that, and it feels really strong, stronger than I thought it would. Um, because initially they're like, oh yeah, I can take him out, but they're like, oh, it's gonna take <laughs> two of my characters to take him out, and then oh man, what do I want to do that? You know, and it makes them second guess. And so that's that's been really interesting to play with. Um, the main two characters um, on the Amethyst Steel deck are Merlin and Tiana. And Merlin, um, he's cool. It just says whenever one of your other characters is returned to your hand from play, this character gets plus one lore, so he can quest for more. Uh, Tiana is also interesting. She has resist two, which is fantastic. She has a little bit of a, a lower stat level, so she has one attack and four willpower. So so not that great, but if you can get her out there, she, she can stay out there for a while. And then she has this other interesting ability. What you give is what you get. And it's it's not that strong, but basically um, when you don't have anything in your hand, any cards in your hand, your opponent can't play any action cards. So kind of interesting. It can It can protect you a little bit. The one way that my Cinderella did eventually get banished was because someone played that launch card and then attacked with a high attack character. I see. Um, so if I had had Tiana out there and didn't have anything in my hand, that would have prevented that, right? True, true. But it was fun. There's also um, the Merlin. So the Merlin and the Madame Mim shape-shifting cards are just really fun. Um, one of them is, I think, the the goat. When he comes into play, you gain a lore, and when he leaves play, you gain a lore. So that's another fun one to to bounce in and out. And one thing that I noticed during my league event is that some people were bouncing their characters before using them, oh. which I was like, oh, guys. But I didn't want to like interfere on the other people's games. Right. You know that I don't think that's kosher. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. But when I'm playing against someone, like in, in the round that I actually lost, I would have won if I hadn't said anything. But there was a turn where my opponent um, didn't quest with one of his characters that had three lore. And I was like, oh, I think you played him last turn. You can probably quest with him this turn. He's like, oh, you're right. Oh, man, thanks so much for helping me out to your detriment. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no worries. Um, but I did notice, you know, next to me that one guy, he kept bouncing his characters back. But he wouldn't quest with them. He wouldn't challenge with them. So they would be ready. And then he'd play a card and bounce it to his hand. I was like, oh, you're missing out. Mm. You can quest with it, get the right. lore, and then play your card, bounce it back to your hand, right? You want to utilize your abilities to the best that you can before you bounce them back to your hand. So that's just a little tip with this deck. But you really want to try to get to your goat. I think the goat is really powerful. He can get you lore quickly if you're bouncing him. You know, once you play him, you get lore. Bounce him back, you get lore. Play him again. Bounce, you know, it's just this cool effect that he has. And he does he does decent damage as well. He does four damage and has three three life. So he's he's pretty decent. You mm -hmm. also have the Merlin Rabbit, which when you play him and when he leaves play, you draw a card. So that's super helpful as well. I think those two are kind of the the highlights for me with the Merlin cards. And then there's Madame Mim, the uh, the fox one, which is a 4-3, so 4 attack, 3 health or willpower. And she has the, an ability that says when you play this character, 
Um, oh, sorry, that's just the bouncing ability. So she can bounce. When you play her, you either have to banish her or you return another chosen character of yours to your hand. And that basically means that you have to have another character on the playing field in order to play her. If you don't, she just right. gets banished. I but see. she has rush. So you can play her, rush into somebody, attack. And uh, she's a three cost, but does four damage and has three life. So she's also really good. I think those are kind of the three shape-shifting highlights for me. And it was just fun to play with. It, you know, it it keeps people on their toes. They're like, all right, what's going to happen? Oh, bounce, 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 bounce. And you never know, right? Um, so I think a key highlight of this is finding characters that have an ability that when you play it, it does something, and then you bounce them back to use it again and again, right? Yep. And And hopefully a low ink character low cost character is ideal because you're going to be playing them often so it's it's pretty fun i've really enjoyed it and uh i'm excited to play with the other deck as well but for now i'm I'm kind of digging this this amethyst steel deck absolutely and you know i'm i'm really uh i'm gonna give a second witness to what you said here i think that the goat and the rabbit are particularly strong um, also the prince is, is, seems quite good. Um, I remember yeah. when the prince card was revealed, I messaged you at that moment and I was like, are you seeing this? Like, this looks really good. I feel like people <laughs> yeah. are going to underrate this. Uh, yep. and I was yep. playing against my buddy the other day. I had a bunch of the seven dwarves out and he had the prince. And the thing about the dwarves is a lot of them are kind of, you know, middling stats and their power normally comes from their numbers and their synergies, not necessarily right. their right. attack and, and defense. And so he just had that one prince out. And then he also, the turn before, had played the Huntsman, which lets him quest for two lore and like draw and discard a card. And so in order to get rid of the Huntsman to stop his draw engine, I'd have to get through the prince. And I couldn't do that unless I attacked him with like all four of my my characters. And so it was just bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, it was brutal. And so (laughs) I think the prince is very strong. Um my buddy who was playing that starter deck, he had opened up a pack and got an additional prince. And I told him, just throw that in and take out like a, a Prince Naveen or take out, I don't know, some other, yeah, yeah, some other three, four or two drop because the prince is just super, super strong. Yep. Um, a couple of other things that I've noticed with this deck is that um, there's not as much card draw as the other deck. And I think that that's intentional. Um, and part of it is because if you're returning stuff to your hand, then you are giving yourself stuff to do with your uh, with your ink, right? You're you're kind of giving yourself right, a pseudo right. card draw. There's yep. also um, Hey Hey, which whenever he's banished in a yes. challenge, he returns to your hand. And in the Master matchup against hey the hey. other starter deck, that feels really really good because they don't have many ways to get rid of him besides challenges. Yeah, yeah, and he's he, <laughs> he's a funny character. So he, one thing that's interesting about Hey Hey though is is it says that when he's banished, he goes to your hand, right? So he doesn't yep. go from play to your hand. He goes from play to the discard, then to your hand. Oh. So so there's a difference there that will affect Merlin, right? Because Merlin, when you have a character that goes back to your hand, he gets something, right? He gets a benefit. I see. But with Hey Hey, it goes to you know, the discard pile and then to your hand. So things like that won't activate. And that's that's one of those things that, you know, you have to think about. And I can see a lot of people not not getting that. 
and uh, just missing that. Um, so you just, you know, have to be careful with that one. But right. It's, it is a little that. bit confusing hey, hey. that they include that in the same package as all of these other bounce effects. Right. Right. But um, as an effect, it still seems pretty strong if you are, are running out of cards, but then you have a hey, hey, like he's just going to keep coming back at towards the end of the game. Yes. Yes. Or you can use him for ink, you know, right. You can play him. Oh, he gets banished. goes back to your hand. All right. I'll just ink him next turn. Like for sure. It just helps you out. So yeah, really, I think it's a really decent card for sure. So pretty fun. I think in general, these starter decks, um, I think they're maybe a little bit more complicated than the chapter one, the first chapter starter decks. I would agree. Um, but I, I almost think they're a little more fun. I don't know. Is that is that just me? <laughs> I think that if you are somewhat experienced in card games, then this feels like a better place to start. Um, but if not, then the the set one feels like a very good entry point. I agree. I agree. Yeah, but really fun. I I'm glad that they they did this. I am curious why they only did two of the starter decks this time, and they didn't do an emerald ruby. Um, curious about that because i love i love my emerald cards i love my emerald ink and i was i was feeling a little sad about that but i guess it's okay it's okay <laughs> mm-hmm. well that's our main topic kind of the uh the floodborne starter decks they're really fun try to try to grab some if you can hopefully you get them for msrp and now we're going to go into our other segments. We have our deck of the week. So Noah, kick it off. Yeah, so this isn't going to take too long. What I really wanted to explore here is the possibility of doing a deck without any characters at all. So you would just have items and you would just have actions. <laughs> now, yeah. before elaborating anymore, I feel like this deck would be very bad. <laughs> but There you go. <laughs> I think that it's it's going to be quite possible. So there's a couple things that you need to keep in mind, I think, one of which is you need to have ways to gain lore. And there's not very many ways to do that, but I do believe that there are there is an item or two. So the Sorcerer's Spellbook is the first one that came to my mind. So, yep. you know, throw four copies of that in. Um, there might be one or two more, but you really just need all of them, because if you don't have characters, then you need to find a way to win the game. So you need stuff to give you lore. And then you're going to want action cards. And generally, you're going to want action cards that don't require the sing mechanic in order to be good. Because obviously, if you don't have any characters, you're not going to be able to take advantage of that. So right. if they have sing, but they're still great to play on their own without that aspect, then, you know, still go ahead and play it. Um, maybe if they don't sing, then you've got a better chance at getting more value out of it um, for the for the limited versatility. Um, the other thing you might look into are ways to get rid of your opponent's, uh, characters because you won't be able to challenge them either. So there's a couple different, um, spells that do that. It looks like let it go. We'll be able to deal with the problem for a moment. Um, falling down the rabbit hole. That's one of the new ones. It says each player chooses one character and puts them into their inkwell face down and exerted. And that's good for you because you don't have any characters, but Anyway, right. I just thought I'd explore that idea. I think that it's quite bad, but not as bad as it would have been if we were still left with the, the first set. So interesting things to think about. Very true. Very true. Um, one other deck that I'd love to talk about comes from one of my buddies. Uh, first, 
to 20. Now he, uh, he and I were playing a game of Pixelborn just before this. And uh, I only realized it halfway through when I was like, man, this guy's really good. He's dominating me. What's going on? And I looked and noticed his name and I was like, no way. So I messaged <laughs> him on Twitter and just said, hey, are you playing Pixelborn right now? He's like, yeah, is this you? <laughs> and, it, and it sure was. So I was playing with this incredible, almost perfect. No, not really. But it was a steeled <laughs> emerald deck that utilizes um damage right direct damage so i have my robin hood that can exert and do damage i have my tinkerbell giant fairies i have my hans that can quest and do damage i have my four cost beast that does damage when you play him and then i have my emerald beast that can ready himself every time damage is done and the game before i played uh my buddy here I had done really, really well. It was it was a blast. I just set it up perfectly. And this time, I was doing all right. I was doing decent. You know, I was, I was maybe a little bit behind on lore. But then I had, I was like, all right, I got to start throwing out my big guns. So I had like my beast tragic hero out there. I had two giant fairy Tinkerbells. And he was playing this deck that I want to talk about because it almost made me cry. So <laughs> he had this ruby amethyst deck and of course he played be prepared so he wiped the board and i was like all right well at least it's my turn you know he didn't sing it and then have you know ink to play something so i was like great it's my turn so i throw on another one of my heavy duty beasts i'm like all right this is good because next turn i'll do some damage i'll quest and next turn of course he plays lady tremaine which is a new card and uh this is from the ruby uh ink and it says, when you play this character, each opponent chooses and banishes one of their characters. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> so so he got rid of my beast. I was like, are you serious? So then it's my turn. I'm like, all right, well, I'll just play another beast. Here we go. And uh, I think I played the beast Tragic Hero to try to get some card draw because I was starting to run low. And the next turn, guess what he played? another lady tremaine and just banished my guy i'm like are you kidding me next turn i'm like okay i still have some high cost cards this is okay we can do this i play another beast and uh, i'm like okay I'm, I'm not out of it yet this is gonna work and he decides to uh play an action the most diabolical scheme and it said banish chosen villain character of yours to banish chosen character so he gets, gets rid of one of his after he quested with it and then just defeats me again. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> what is going on? And all the while he has a sorcerer's spell book, the item oh, that gives yeah. him lore. So he's just like tapping that, exerting that to get all sorts of lore. And he's just obliterating me. And finally, I put my last big cost card up there. And then he plays a Maleficent monstrous dragon and just, just destroys it. I was like, oh no, gosh, no. <laughs> And then my computer had some issues, which, I mean, if that happened, if I was a computer, I'd probably have issues too. So there you go. Nothing against my computer, but it did crash. And so I messaged him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I hope you got the W. He's like, no, I did. I did. So Are you I just sure wanted you didn't to just punch straight through your monitor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a good game, but this deck that he was using is, is really awesome. It has um, Gaston. And with Reckless, it has four of the Maleficents that can draw a card. It has friends on the other side. 
It has some sorcerer spell books. It has the Madame Mim Fox. And then it has the two Merlins we're talking about. It has the rabbit for card draw. It has the goat to get some more lore every time it goes in and out. It has the five cost queen from the first chapter that can exert to draw a card. It had Maui's. It had the four Lady Tremaines, which uh, just demolished me. Four B Prepareds, two of the eight cost Elsas, and four Maleficent Monstrous Dragons. So it was definitely one of those, you know, kind of standard but upgraded Ruby Amethyst decks. I see. And uh, it just it just so happened to obliterate me. So it's a pretty cool deck. Uh, you guys can try it out. Um, I think he might have posted it on his Twitter, and you can follow him at first to twenty. He also has an awesome YouTube channel that I would check out. He's got some good content on there. Great guy. So that's that's my deck of the week. Um, I'm gonna be trying it out because it uh, it totally obliterated me. <laughs> so gotcha. And you know, it I'm seems like, like especially especially after the um, uh, what was it that destroyed all of your characters? Is it be prepared? Be prepared. Yeah. I feel like, especially right after that, having things that get rid of your opponent's threats right as they're played is just, you know, so seamless. Yeah, it was it was quite nice on his end for sure. Because mm. I again, I was surprised. I was like, oh, he did a be prepared, but he didn't sing it, so he didn't play any other cards. I was like, what's what's going on? So I threw right. down one of my big ones, and then of course, Lady Tremaine, he just banishes it. Another one banishes it. <laughs> I'm like, what is yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, it sounds like a sweet deck. It's it's pretty cool. It was fun, even though I, I lost pretty badly, but it was still fun. So those <laughs> are our decks of the week. Go ahead and try them out. I don't even know if you can make a you know sixty card uh, item deck, but you can give it a try. See what happens. <laughs> It'd be fun to to at least experiment with, right? Absolutely. Sweet. Well, on to. Our next segment, the new card idea of the week. Noah has this one down for us. Oh, yeah, and I'm really excited to share this. So I've spent quite some time thinking about how the franchise of uh, Ratatouille could be represented in Disney Lorcana. And uh, I made a whole list, just a, a document full of all the stats of different characters. Um, but I'd really like to talk about just the general feel of how these cards could interact with each other as opposed to the nitty gritty of each one. Yeah. Um, but I think that some some key characters that would easily be in there would be Remy and Linguini, right? Remy is the rat, and uh, Linguini is the, the last name of the uh, main character guy who just can't cook hardly at all. I think his first name's Alfredo. It's yes. a great name, Alfredo Linguini. <laughs> but uh, I thought that you could do a lot of interesting things with this. So uh, Remy, it makes sense to have him one cost, um, maybe make him green or purple. And uh, I thought you could give him evasive. That would make sense. Kind of like a Pascal, right? Both small creatures. Yeah. Um, hiding under the hat. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then you could give him support and give him zero attack and one toughness or one health. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard <laughs> because support <laughs> It makes it so that when the character quests, they add their attack power to another character. But it makes sense. And I'll, I'll tell you why in a second here. So uh, he would have one lore. Now, if we get into Linguini, he could be a three cost, maybe in, you know, steel, maybe amber. Um, and he would have a low attack score, 
a little bit higher uh, you know, toughness. But his mechanic is that whenever he is the target of a support ability, he gains an additional attack. And so even when you use Remy's support on Linguini, you know, even though that in and of itself is not giving him an attack, he would still benefit. And he'd also be able to benefit from lots of the other support cards that might make sense in the setting. You think about um, Colette, right? The the female chef who's super brutal and tough love. Um, and she kind of shows Linguini how to cook. And so you could give her the, the support mechanic too. And then Linguini benefits from yeah. that. Yeah. Or you think about how Chef Gusto, the uh, the imaginary one, the figment of the imagination that always helps out Remy, you yeah. could give him support too, and and then you have this kind of support tribal going on. Um, so his, that his support ability cool. could be called "Anyone Can Cook." Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I think those characters are some some key ones, um, and I think that you there's also some possibilities to work with all the different food that is made and kind of work them into the item archetype. So a couple ideas that I had with that are um, Emil. That's Remy's brother. Uh, It could be that whenever he enters or whenever he quests, you get to banish, you banish an item. And when you do the controller of that item gains a lore or gains two lore, Um, you know, just kind of replicating the idea that he's eating the food. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and, um, interesting you can use it to get rid of a threat or to give yourself value yeah that's kind of fun yeah um you could do a similar mechanic with the uh the critic anton ego you know give him a higher stat line and make it a more brutal effect maybe it's two lore that you gain and maybe it's whenever he quests not just whenever he enters the battlefield um and then alongside those you know you should release with them a handful of items that reflect the different uh, meals that are made, you know, maybe the soup or um, the ratatouille itself, or right, that one meal right. that they make that they call um, the special. I uh, have a note here that talks about what the special is. As it's described in the movie, it is cuttlefish tentacle, dog rose puree, geoduck egg, dried white fungus topped with anchovy licorice sauce. <laughs> wow so you know maybe that could be your your flavor text right there that Um, sounds terrible (laughs) yeah but i think that it would be a it would be a really cool thing to put those different recipes into the item archetype and then be able to interact that way with all these different characters Um, yeah very cool the last idea that i had with this uh kind of crossover using ratatouille would be a shiftable Linguini and Remy team up card that you could put on top of either Remy or Linguini. And then there would be a Floodborne version of it that swaps their roles. And so you have it in a, a different order, Remy and Linguini. And the way it's depicted in the artwork is that Remy is a super huge rat and Linguini is a little guy <laughs> in his hair. Yes, yes. And then you just swap the stat lines of them and you make them kind of counterparts to each other. So yeah. that could be really adorable. I love that idea. That's awesome. Very fun. So that's the the Ratatouille uh, franchise, you know, card list that you created. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see how they go about it. That'd be awesome. Well, very cool. I think that's about all the time we have for this episode. It's been it's been a crazy week. It's been awesome. Uh, it's it's been fun to finally get our hands on some Floodborne 
uh, decks and, and booster packs. Uh, hope you enjoyed this this episode. Absolutely. And remember that you can keep up on all of the latest Lorcana lore with us here on Once Upon a Lorcana. Thank you for joining us on this fourth episode uh, to explore this recent set. Absolutely. A big thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Remember, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. That would help us out a ton. And uh, if you could, please just leave a, a quick little review on whatever platform you're listening to. We would love that so much. It would help us out a ton. And it's just a free way for you to support us. Just take a minute or two out of your day and help us out a lot. We would appreciate that so much. So, that's it for this episode. Thank you all so much. Thanks, everyone. Have a great time. See you later, Lumineers. Thank you.